You're listening to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. On every episode, I talk to you about uplifting, empowering, and inspirational topics that can help you to stand up and fight those beasts in your life and to just live a life filled with much more happiness, strength, and courage. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can also find this directly on my website at ValerieSilvera.com. You are not alone. I am standing with you. Hello, friends. Today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about whether or not it is possible to live with a hole in your heart, with a broken heart, and still have happiness and joy and peace and purpose and laughter and all of those good things. Is it possible to have both of those things going on in the same heart? Or do you have to actually heal the broken heart? Do you have to overcome the grief? Do you have to move that hole out of the way? Do you have to repair all those cracks before you can be happy again? If you had asked me this, a long time ago and presented the circumstances that I have been through and asked me that question, I would have thought it was not possible. If you had told me that I would ride the roller coaster from hell for 13 years or that my daughter would live more than half of her 30 year life lost in the belly of her addiction beast, the girl who had everything, the girl I used to joke when she was little, would be the first woman president. If you told me that, if you told me she'd be shot at the age of 18 by a gang member and would survive that only to go on and become a heroin addict, if you had told me that eventually at the age of 30, she would be murdered and that I'd be sitting here nearly two years after her murder with an unsolved murder, if you would have painted that whole picture for me and asked me that question, could I live with all of that and still be happy and still have joy and purpose and, and laughter and, and all the rest. I would have said no. I couldn't have imagined being where I am, but yet here I am. And so I know it's possible. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever things that you're grieving. And you know, sometimes these things that we're, we grieve are situations or loss of a relationship. It's not always just death related to grief. Sometimes it's ongoing grief. I know for a lot of you, you are moms of sons and daughters living with an addiction beast. And I know that you live with this constant state of grief. I know how that feels. But I'm here to tell you that I didn't figure all this out after my daughter was killed. I stood up and took my life back right smack on my ride on the roller coaster from hell. I decided to stop allowing myself to ride that roller coaster from hell with that beast at my side, whispering in my ear and screaming in my face that I was a terrible mother, that I was never going to be happy again, that I didn't deserve to be happy again until unless I decided to not wait for the ride to come to the, a platform, come to the end of the ride and I could just get off. I pulled the emergency brake and I got off. It didn't happen overnight and it was a lot of work, but it was through that that I developed the nine actions to battle your beast and I got my life back and I did it with a very, very broken heart. 
I stood up again with a hole in my heart. And I live with a hole in my heart that I believe, I mean, time will tell, but I believe that this hole that I have in my heart will be there for the rest of my life because it's my daughter. I still miss people. I still grieve certain relationships at certain times. My grandparents, my stepfather, who is a father to me, my mother-in-law, you know, friends and other family members and people that I have lost and relationships that I've lost. I still have that kind of grief, but this loss of my daughter was a whole different thing. The day I got that knock on the door, it blew a hole right in my heart, which is kind of interesting and metaphorical, I guess, because my daughter was shot in the chest. And um, so I feel like that, you know, those gunshots literally blew a hole in my heart. And I wasn't sure if I could get through this, how I would get through this. But it actually, excuse me, it hasn't taken me that long to not get through it, to not get over it, because I'm not going to get over her. Jamie is not somebody I'm going to get over, and she's not somebody I even want to get over. That hole in my heart is a reminder of how much I loved her, how much I still love her, and what a privilege it was to be her mom for 30 years, even though half of those 30 years were not very much fun. It's, it, it's a reminder that if I had to do it all over again, I would do it all over again, even knowing what I know. And that right there is a perspective that can help you when you're thinking back and thinking, wow, you know, gee, if I didn't even have this relationship with this person, I wouldn't have this pain in my heart. But what if it's okay? What, it's, what if it's okay? What if it's possible for you to live with a hole in your heart and still find joy. Your heart is big. Remember your heart is big. Your heart can accommodate a hole. It can accommodate cracks and crevices. It can. You can live with both. I found out that it was true and as a matter of fact, it has become so inspiring for me to realize, to have, thank you God, literally, to have come up with this this concept that you can actually embrace the hole in your heart because that's exactly what I've done. So how have I done it? There's a lot to how I have done this and how you can do it. A good idea for you is to get my latest book, Misery, You Don't Get My Company, because I talk a lot about embracing the hole and all sorts of different things, ways that you can choose to be happy again. As a matter of fact, the book's called Misery, You Don't Get My Company. The subtitle is Finding the Courage to Be Happy Again. Because it really does take courage to do all this. It takes changing your mindset. So literally, you know, what do I do? What can you do? What can you do for whatever level of grief you're experiencing? I use my nine actions to battle your beast. And many of you that are listening are familiar with the nine actions to battle your beast. If not, then you definitely should get still standing after all the tears because that's where the nine actions are introduced and the concepts are laid out for you. There's also a couple of workbooks you can get and that'll really start to get those nine actions into your life. Highly recommend that. I have a membership called the Still Standing Sisterhood if you want to take this whole thing to a whole new level and work with me, basically not really one-on-one, but I'm available to you 24-7 via video whole video libraries, tons and tons of benefits to the Still Standing Sisterhood. It's a way that when you go from the book to the workbook, what do you do next? 
It's 24 seven support. Anyway, learn about the nine actions to battle your beast for sure. You can also go to my website at ValerieSilvera.com, of course, and look at all of my resources, this being one of them, this podcast. So let me just tell you how I do this because I'm going to relate it to each of the nine actions to battle your beast. And by the way, these nine actions are really nine actions for everyday life. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to write a book about that someday soon. Nine actions for everyday life because they really do work for everything. So, but let me talk to you about this because I really want you to get this. I meet people all the time who've lost loved ones and you know even moms who've lost their sons and daughters and let me tell you my heart goes out to those of you who've lost your sons and daughters and my heart goes out to anybody with any kind of grief or loss but obviously I have a special heart for you moms who've lost children because um, I know (laughs) I know that this is the ultimate loss excuse me I know that this is the ultimate loss and I know how difficult it is. And I meet some of you sometimes and your sons and daughters have been an angel for years and yet you're still at the same level of grief. So once again, remember, it's not that I don't think you should have grief. I do. But what I don't like to see is that you're still trapped in it. You're still you know, swallowed up by it. You're living in the hole. I want you to learn how to live your life with that whole, honor the whole, embrace the whole, and still go out and make something of your life. So let's talk about that. The first thing, action number one of my nine actions to battle your beast is to decide to stand up and fight. So, I mean, this is literally with everything. We have to make a decision. So the day I got the knock on the door and they told me my daughter had been murdered the night before, I was knocked flat on my back and my beast got right back on top of me and started whispering my ear, screaming in my face. See what happens when you take off the super mom cape. You see what happens when you don't follow her around and chase her down. And you know, when you didn't save her, you see what kind of a mom would allow her 30 year old daughter to be murdered. I mean, the whole thing, it started, but I had these tools in my everyday life. See, deciding was um, a pattern for me. It was a habit. It was something I do all the time. So I knew that I was going to stand up again. And I knew that it wouldn't be that long. And I knew that every time I got knocked back down by this, I would stand back up. So this is what you have to do. You have to decide the couple of things. This is what I decided. That this hole in my heart was not going to swallow me up. My son was not going to watch his mom start to self-destruct again. See, he'd already done that before. When I rode my roller coaster from hell, he'd already watched that. I wasn't going to allow my husband to start losing his wife again. I'd already been down that road. I'd already learned to stand up. I'd already learned to stand over the top of my beast. And so I wasn't going to stay down very long. Now you aren't where I am and you don't have, you know, this, this history of the last, you know, three, four years of doing all this work. you you may have, or just be learning about these nine actions, but that's where it begins. You decide that this loss as painful as it is, is not going to swallow you up. You are not going to live inside that hole because this is not going to be your legacy. Your legacy is not going to be one of sadness and grief. The end of your story is not going to end, excuse me, 
the end of your story is not going to end with, she died of a broken heart. She died with a broken heart, swallowed up by grief. That was the end of her story. That can't be the end of your story. Don't allow that. Decide that it's not going to be. No matter what kind of grief is going on in your life, you decide that that is not going to be the end of the story for you. No matter what happens around you, that is not going to be your story. I also decided that this was not going to be the end of my daughter's story. Now this might, may or may not apply to you, but hopefully you can relate to this. I decided that Jamie's legacy was not going to end with a drug addict. She was not going to, her life story wasn't going to end with, you know, junkie, period. Murder victim, period. Murdered by a, well, we don't even know who, you know, in some drug deal, if that's what it was. That wasn't going to be the end for her. No, because that's not what she was all about. This is the beast she lived with, but this was not her. I know who she was. I used to tell her all the time, I see you. I know who you are. And I'm going to make sure that the world knows who she was too. And I'm going to honor her not by not allowing my story to end in grief. So I hope that helps you. That's action number one, decide to stand up and fight. Now use action number two as well. Action number two is to get on your spiritual armor. This is so critical. Whatever your spiritual armor looks like, get it on. Mine, I had it off so many times on my ride on the roller coaster. Mel, I used to throw it up against the wall and scream at God and, you know, just walk away from it. And I mean, everything. Mine's dented and dinged and, you know, and it's okay. God's cool with it. He gets it. He knows you're a human being trying to navigate this thing called life. It's okay. Just get it on, okay? Whatever you believe. You know, for me, you know, I happen to believe that my daughter lives with Jesus and I happen to believe that I will live with Jesus one day too. You can believe whatever you believe, but what you've got to have spiritual armor because folks, let me tell you, this thing called life is not easy and it's getting harder all the time. And we're made of body, mind, and spirit. And we spend so much time in our bodies and minds and we forget all about our spirit. So often, your spirit, your God, that's your source of faith. Not just in God, but faith in yourself. Faith that no matter what happens, you are going to be okay. Faith that the right people will be placed in your path. I have seen this happen to me over and over and over. And by the way, ladies, lots of times, most of the time, well, let's say 99% of the time, I noticed this, figured it out after the fact. So it isn't like, you know, I had these bright shining lights. Oh my gosh, this person's in my life. They must be here for a reason. It's always after the fact that I seem to figure these things out. I'm trying to get better at it. But the point is, you have to notice them. Look back, figure out what God has done for you. Because I know so often we're so frustrated with God and mad at God. I prayed for a miracle every morning for years. And the miracle was that my daughter would be, get clean and that we would, would work together and that she would be on this mission with me. That was my, wow, I'm getting a little emotional here, lady, sorry. That was my prayer. That's what I wanted for Jamie's life. That's what I wanted for our mission. 
And, you know, I say that it kind of felt like the cosmic middle finger when she was murdered. And I really thought God got it wrong. And I was mad at him. And I said, you've got this thing wrong. You know, she was such a warrior in life and the leader. And she could have done so much in this world. What were you thinking? <laughs> when I got over myself, I realized that she is on the mission. So here's the thing. Things aren't always going to turn out the way you want them to. And most of it we won't completely understand because God's ways are not our ways and it's way too complicated for our little pea brains to understand. What you have to have faith in is that you can be okay. You can be better than okay no matter what you're grieving if you choose to. If you decide to. If you decide to live in gratitude and be so thankful for the people and situations, maybe it's even this podcast that crossed your path somehow and you've never heard of me in your life and you somehow found this podcast. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe that was your, your blessing. Maybe that was a huge moment for you that you'll look back and say, thank you, God, for this message. You have to believe that good can come from bad. We all know the collateral damage of addiction, for example. We know the collateral damage of abuse. We know the collateral damage of, say, you know, a husband walking away from, from his family. So many things. We know the collateral damage of losing children or losing loved ones. And we know the collateral damage. That's easy. But you are not average. <laughs> you are a masterpiece. You are a woman of courage. Or you should be working to become a woman of courage, and you should find the collateral beauty in the collateral damage. That is action number two. That is get on your spiritual armor, and I should have called it and keep it on. Action number three is to put on your oxygen mask, and this is all about self-care. So, okay, when I get the news that my daughter's been murdered, obviously I can't sleep, I can't eat, you know, it, it, that's just the way it goes. I, I give myself that. I, I, you know, let's face it, that was going to happen and it was okay. I allowed myself to do what I needed to do. I would lay awake at night and that's why I learned about the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> I would lay awake at night and, you know, I couldn't sleep and, you know, I wasn't taking very good care of myself, but it didn't last that long. It wasn't that long. Just a few weeks before I started to exercise again and I started to get back into life again even with that hole in my heart, because here's the thing. I was not going to allow, remember I already talked about this, I was not going to allow myself to self-destruct again. I already did that before. It was not going to be an option. If I self-destructed, then the end of our story would have been my daughter was murdered, I never got over it, period. I lost a bunch of relationships, my son was affected, my husband was affected, my mom was affected, and on and on it would go. That wasn't gonna be my story. So I had to learn to take care of myself. I had to give myself permission. And by the way, when I initially, initially, you know, uh, created these nine actions to battle your beast, the self-care thing was really hard for me because I had decided that I wasn't worth it. I had decided my confidence was in the toilet. You know, I thought I was the worst mom on the planet and everything was my fault. And that happens to some of you too, after you lose a loved one. I know that sometimes I hear from people who have had sons and daughters who have committed suicide or have overdosed and they're just living with so much guilt and shame 
that they're finding it very, very, very difficult to take care of themselves, to not give themselves permission. You must give yourself permission. You are not doing your loved one any good. You are not leaving a great legacy for anybody and you're not honoring the person you've lost, whether you've lost them physically or just in the sense that you don't have the relationship anymore. You're not honoring anybody's memory by self-destructing. It's actually quite the opposite. Action number four is to build your circle of strength. And this is just all about your people. And so I'm just going to put this one, I'm going to make this one short in a nutshell. You know what I do? I surround myself with the right people and I stay away from as much as possible the wrong people. You're going to have to figure out who the right people are and who the wrong people are. But basically, I like to surround myself with as many warriors as possible. Now, let's get this straight. A warrior does not mean you're not afraid, that you don't sometimes not have confidence, that you don't doubt yourself. Courageous people feel all those same things. Maybe not as much, maybe not as often, but we stand up anyway. I love people who in spite of their circumstances and because of their circumstances, they stand anyway. They have the right attitude. They encourage me to be better. They inspire me. They empower me. Those are the people that I surround myself with as much as possible. Action number five is to change your attitude. Now this one is a biggie. This is, I call it the battle changer. And with this situation with your your broken heart, your grief, your hole in your heart, your mindset. All of these nine actions really have everything to do with your thinking and your mindset. And so action number five, right smack in the middle of the nine actions is all about your attitude and how you think. Because everything we say and do starts with a thought, even if it's not conscious. So it's really habitual. A lot of our attitude is habit. Now, when you've had this big thing happen, you know, you get the knock on the door or whatever happens and you have this big loss, of course, your attitude is not going to be great right off the bat. And that's okay. Now, 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 obviously, if you get that knock on the door or, you know, the the big loss hits you, of course, initially, you're not going to just go, okay, I've got this great attitude. I mean, give yourself a break. Nobody's perfect. I'm far from it. And I created these things. So it's okay, but you have to decide in general that you are going to have the right attitude, that your attitude is going to help you with all of these other actions. Your attitude is going to help you, you not to get swallowed up inside of that hole. Because if you get swallowed up inside of that hole that's in your heart, it is hard to climb out of. So it's okay. I'm going to talk a little bit at the end of this podcast about a little bit of a strategy. Okay, so hang tight. But I want to continue to talk about attitude. Because this is where where you decide whether or not you're going to live with guilt. You're going to live with shame. You're going to live in self-pity. And I want you to know that I have a high degree of empathy. And I really do feel for you and how sad you are and how hard this is. I do. I really do understand that. But you cannot remain a victim. It's your choice if you remain a victim. And there is no power in victimhood. I talked a few minutes ago. The nine actions to battle your beast are introduced and talked about mainly in still standing after all the tears. But misery, you don't get my company. I actually introduced victim land. You should read about victim land because that is the place of no power and it is nothing but sadness and despair and you cannot continue to live in victim land. Instead, what I do is I decide to honor Jamie. Was she perfect? 
No, of course not. Did she make some super bad choices? Did her brain get diseased with these, you know, with these drugs that she was sticking in her body? Of course, all of that. And that caused her to do all sorts of things that she would not have otherwise done. But underneath it all, I knew who she was. And so I choose to honor her. I have pictures all around my house of her. And every now and then, yes, they make me sad. But for the most part, I just am so grateful. I talk to her and I'm so thankful that I got to have her in my life. Because she was a super awesome person. And so we get to decide if something's going to suck us in. If we're going to live with that guilt and that shame and that pity. Or if we're going to get the right mindset. Start to have the right words come out of our mouths. And take the right actions. Action number six is to adjust your focus. And this is, they're all big ones. And they all work together, by the way. When I created the nine actions to battle your beast, I created them as a puzzle. So they're not, you know, a linear, they're not linear steps. They actually work together. They're synergistic and they all are very interdependent. So one helps the other eight. The other eight help the one. It's really incredible. Action number six to adjust your focus. It means that within, in regards to the subject of grief and sadness um, and loss, I miss my daughter every single day, okay? I do miss her, don't get me wrong, but it, it's kind of different. I, what I miss is I, I stopped figuring out what, I don't miss what could have been. I don't miss that she never had kids. I never, I don't miss that she didn't get married. I don't miss that, you know, that, I'm over that one. All of those ones, I should say. I miss who she was. I miss her touch. I miss her smile. I miss her sense of humor. I miss her quick wit. I miss all of that. I do. But I have memories that I get to have. I get to focus on those memories. So when I think of Jamie, I don't usually think of her when I see a sad story or an addict or somebody gets murdered or anything. I don't usually think of her in those times. I've trained myself. I usually think of her when somebody says something funny or does something. I think, oh my gosh, Jamie would have done that or Jamie would have said this in the situation or oh, she was so funny then or... You know, I, I think of her in those great, fun, awesome ways. We get to decide what we focus on. I had a dream last night. Um, in Misery, You Don't Get My Company, you will read that I've had a, a couple of dreams. And of course, at the time I wrote that, that's what I had experienced with Jamie in them. And at that point, I'd only had one, what I consider a visit. I mean, not to get all woo-woo on you or anything, but the other dreams were about Jamie. This was Jamie saying, you know, mom you know, here I am. And, and, you know, I knew she was dead and, and all that. That's only happened one other time. And it was last night, last night I had a dream and it was so weird because I knew she was dead. And the whole time she was talking to me, I kept looking at her and thinking, well, she doesn't look gray or anything. She just looks alive. Wow. She just looks alive. And I actually um, had the dream and then woke up and then went back to sleep. And I really should have just gotten up and writ written down the dream because you know what happens, how you forget all the details. So I forgot all the details of it, but essentially we were just talking about stuff and I was going, well, but you're in heaven. And she's going, no, but I thought I'd come and talk to you. <laughs> and um, it, it was so funny because one at one point she said something about, oh yeah, I, I go to a lot of good, good restaurants. And I said, there are restaurants in heaven? So, I mean, I don't know what the dream meant. Not every dream means anything. But my point is I could have woken up this morning and thought, oh my God, that's right, Jamie's dead. And I could have just, it could have sent me into a tailspin. 
Instead, I said, oh my gosh, Jamie visited me last night. I don't know if it's true or not or what, but I choose to think so. It's okay, she visited me and I got to just see her again and I got to touch her again and I can still remember in the dream how she felt and she felt like I remember. So, you know, that's your choice. We get to decide what we focus on. And especially, and especially in these grief situations. Action number seven is to stop being a control freak. And this is a difficult one. And you might think, well, how is it I'm trying to control a loss? How is it that I'm, you know, how would you try to control that? Well, for me, there's something kind of extra because we have an unsolved murder. And the old control freak, Valerie, would have been down at the police station every other week and calling the DA and all sorts of stuff and, and trying to, you know, manage the case. And so I don't do that. I pray for justice, but I'm not doing the, any of that. Um, we stay up on the case, but we really don't spend a lot of time there. But, but even this, um, this, when you keep yourself stuck in this hole, that is a form of control. You know, you're trying to control, you're trying to like stop time. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to, to control, I don't know what, but it is, a, it, it is related to control when we won't let go, when we won't let go of our grief, when we've decided that this one thing is more important than everything else in our life, that this one person is more important, that this one situation that I've lost is more important than everything else. And here's the thing. It's not, first of all, because that's not fair. But second of all, there are things in your life that are to come in the future that you don't even know what they are. But you're not going to be able to experience them. You're not going to be able to meet the people that you should meet. You're not going to be able to live this life if you're going to stay stuck. If you're not going to forgive yourself, forgive the person that left you for whatever reason. Start using that F word. So I... Let go. I forgive. I learned two amazing lessons from my daughter. And it was literally because she was an addict that I learned this. Maybe I would have learned it anyway. I do not know. But I learned to forgive because that's how she lived. She forgave everybody for everything. She didn't hold grudges. She was never mad at people. That Not that I knew of. And she didn't judge people. And I learned those two amazing, valuable lessons. And they helped me to stop being a control freak. Instead of staying stuck in grief and trying to control things I never had control over in the first place, I decide to stand up and take responsibility for my place on this planet. And that brings me to action number eight, which is to stand on your story. And that means to stand on it and not in it. It means to stop wallowing in self-pity, in the, in the muck and the mire and the junk of your story and stop living as a label, whatever label you've put on yourself. I am the mom of an addict. Yeah, I am. I'm the mom of a murder victim. Those are truths, but they are not my label. And whatever it is, it shouldn't be your label either. And this thing that this grief becomes your label. We've all known people whose illnesses become who they are. They literally become this thing. Almost some people, it seems like they don't even want to get better because they've become to self, they have come to self-identify with this illness. Don't self-identify with your grief. Don't become this. Don't let that be the end of your story. Action number eight is all about standing up and deciding to become all you were meant to be because of your story, because your story is part of it. It's part of the journey. And as a matter of fact, 
the things that we go through that are difficult, that's the learning. That's the training ground. That's school. So stop skipping school. This is where you learn and where you grow. So make your loved one proud. Make your family proud. Make yourself proud. Believe that you're more than all of this. Action number nine is to make meaning from the madness. It's going to be real hard for you to make a difference in this world. And by the way, I always say in action number nine that little things are big things. When I tell you to go out and make a difference in this world and make meaning, I'm not saying you have to start a nonprofit or go do something huge or do what I'm doing or anything like that because everyday things are big things. The way you treat people when you go out into the world, the way you treat your family, the inspiration, the attitude that you have that, that's a ripple effect, all of that is making meaning. So obviously, for me, with my loss, I'm able to use this platform to help other people. And I hope this helps you. I hope that what, what I did today, what I did on this podcast will help you to start to climb out of that hole in your heart, to stop living every moment with your broken heart running your life. Making meaning means that at the end of my life, God will say, well done. And guess what? He's going to say, well done with my entire story. And trust me, ladies, a lot of my story ain't so pretty. When you're on the outside looking in at somebody else's story, it seems all perfect and wonderful. Trust me, I've made some very bad decisions. I've done and said all sorts of things I'm not proud of. But it's all about what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Make meaning. Don't allow this grief to swallow you up. So I told you earlier that I was going to share a little strategy with you. And so this is this concept of embracing the whole, embracing that hole in your heart. And that hole in your heart might never go away. But here's the thing. Typically, when people think of that, they think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get over. I'm always going to be sad. That's not what I'm saying. Make sure you get this, <laughs> get this straight. What I'm saying is you can live with the whole, you can honor the whole, and even embrace the whole, and the whole rest of your heart can be filled with joy and happiness. And you can learn to live that way. So how do I do that? See, initially, I thought this hole was just going to suck me under. I really did. I thought it was going to suck me under, and that was going to be the end of it. What I do is there are times when I can literally feel the hole. You know, it's like it's got like a third party here and I can feel that the hole needs attention. I can feel sadness wallowing, you know, welling up inside of me. And so what I do is I just let it be. I say, okay, it's coming. It's okay. It's almost like I'm saying to this hole, okay, we're cool. You can come. Come on. You know, it's your time. And if I need to cry, I cry. You know, so I'll cry for a few minutes. Sometimes I'll go out and visit Jamie because I have her ashes under a palm tree in my backyard. Sometimes I'll go visit her. You know, I, I do what I need to do. Sometimes I just sit there with a few tears. Maybe um, it's happened to me when I've been watching television and my husband just reaches over and holds my hand. Boy, has he come a long way too in all of this. He used to try to fix everything. Really awesome. So that was a side note. <laughs> but anyway, so I honor the whole. So do you get what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you have to get over it. You can live with it, honor it. And then it's like the hole goes back and goes, thank you. Okay, you gave me my time. 
You do not have to let grief swallow you up. Learn to live, to embrace the whole, your broken heart. But you, if your heart is shattered into a million pieces, you need to start putting those pieces back together. And it's all about the nine actions to battle your beast. So I really hope, just go to my website, ValerieSilvera.com and go to start here and, and check out, you know, the recommendations for where you can begin if you don't, if you're not familiar with any of this stuff, with the nine actions or, or anything. And I'll be doing a lot more work on grief and using misery and the concepts for misery. You don't get my company to help you a lot more because I know so many people are hurting and you don't have to continue to live the way that you are. I know what it feels like to live every single day with a dark cloud hanging over my heart, sad and depressed, wishing I wasn't even here anymore, believing that my best days were behind me and that I had been given a life sentence. I know how that feels and for it to go on for years. I also know how it feels to be on the other side of that and standing over the top of my beast and even though the situations in my life outside of my control got worse. I got better. So I know it's possible and I see it every single day in my private membership called the Still Standing Sisterhood, which you can find out more about at stillstandingsisterhood.com or on my website. You, I see this every day. Every day I see women standing up and changing their lives right in the middle of the storm. I hope this inspires you today. Whatever you're going through, please know that you are not alone. I will always be standing with you. This has been another uplifting episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Remember to visit ValerieSilvera.com slash podcast to subscribe via SoundCloud or iTunes.